Well, the interesting thing is now, because we've both left Parramatta and you were a commentator there, what's like your thoughts about it just sitting there, lying there? Do you reckon they could have squeezed a few more years out of it or was just too too much politics in the background, do you reckon? Uh, which answer do you want? <laughs> the, the truth? Or, or my, uh, sorry, my opinion with the truth in it, yep. that I believe that it's the truth or that the, the straight back. Guess what, Brooke? Should I ask? Have you heard that ProApps and Graphics have jumped on board this season as a sponsor? Really? They wrap race cars, right? Yeah, and also corporate vehicles too. Hang on, I'm checking out their website. Damn, these wraps are sexy. You should get your Formula Ford wrapped here. Already booked. For those in need of a new wrap on their car, ProApps is offering $200 off motorsport wraps if any listeners mention on the couch with Hooli. That's a pretty sweet deal for those with an open wheeler, tin top, prod sports, GT, and anything motorsports related really. Sure is. Check out the show notes for further details on the Catch with Hooli fans. We would also love to thank our major sponsor, Thrifty Car Rental, for supporting the show this season. You will hear more about them in future episodes. Go, go, go! Are you doing it? It's in! That's a massive crash. And it's happened immediately! This is amazing! Big shot, big shot, and it's lights out, and away we go! G'day. I'm Dan Hawley Hollihan and welcome to my motorsports podcast up on the couch with Hooley season two, which is more than just a motorsports podcast. My guests are from all sides of the track, eras and personalities. You will meet some who have spent their careers chasing the dream to those who have only just touched on it and went on to aspiring journeys. We learn their stories beyond the helmet. On today's episode, we've got the legendary Stu McCarthy. Speedway fans might recognize Stu's familiar voice known for entertaining the crowds at the old Parramatta Speedway. In recent months, he's joined the New Eastern Creek Speedway and Sydney Dragway that sit side by side. We spent some time getting to know the man behind the mic, including his family ties in the Speedway community with the Belbowen family. Stu is an absolute inspiration for those who might be fighting illnesses, disabilities and life-threatening injuries, including raising awareness for muscular dystrophy, which we will chat about during the show. As one of the sport's leading commentators, he's been around the speedway industry for years and has some incredible stories to share. Stu also has his own podcast called Chatting with Stu Rat, but today it's my turn to have a chat with him, so let's chat with Stu Rat on today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, Stu McCarthy. Stu, I am absolutely amped that you're on the pod. Um, dude, first of all, how have you been? Yeah, good. Hooli, Hooli, what, what are we, Dan, what are we going oh, with? we'll go with Hooli. We'll Hooli, all right, that's what I just asked. Yeah, ca- casual, that's what it's about, mate. Yeah, that's it, that's it. So, um, yeah, you were saying off air that you're um having some problems with your health. So what was what was that about? Yeah, mate, so I've, um ever since I was about 13, I've been crook, mm. Um, got a liver problem, got a had a bowel problem, got type 1 diabetes, the list just goes on. So yep. it's all an autoimmune side of things, mm. Um, but – the way I've, I've always and always will look at it is there's someone worse off than me. Yeah. Right. As much as I've got shit going on, there's people way, way worse off than me. So mm. just, and I understand like people obviously have their mental health issues and all that kind of stuff. And, and some people can't deal with certain health issues, mm. but for whatever reason, I just, yeah, I've got that mental side of things. I probably am mental, I suppose, but yeah. just be positive about it and, and think there's, people worse off. And and perfect example is probably the way I look at it um, is I'm very good friends with people who've got muscular dystrophy and three of the guys that I've known, or sorry, I'll say five guys that I've known 
that have had it, they've all passed away and there's one still alive at the moment and I don't know whether you can see it on, on camera, but I'll lift my foot up. Yeah. The green shoelaces, which is for muscular dystrophy awareness, warnable. Yeah, um, right. It's about raising awareness for that and incidentally that you've brought this up straight away by the time hopefully this show yes. goes to air. Yeah. Um, I would have announced that I'm having a charity golf day at Stone Gutters, Stone Cutters, raising mm. money for um, muscular dystrophy awareness. Warnable, which is the Gillen Boys Foundation. So, yeah, doing a, a big golf day out there, which is going to be um, a lot of fun and uh, going to have like 18 to 20 well-known sporting personalities, um, sponsors. So, yeah, if you want to hit me up to sponsor anybody watching this that wants to be a part of the golf day, hit me up on the socials. And, yeah, got sponsorship availability and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's yeah. – uh, yeah, it all – yeah, the health – going back to the health side of things, it all – coincides, I guess. It's going back to there's always someone else worse off. And if you don't know nothing about muscular dystrophy, mm. I te- urge you to look it up and have a read about it because it's it's devastating. So, yeah, right. Yeah, it's a shocking disease. Yeah, and it's a pretty – yeah, as you said, it was a bad disease and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, so tap in for a cure is the golf day. Yep. November 18. Yep. Mark it in your diary. And cool. we'll make sure it's in the show notes for everyone as well. Yeah, cool, yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask where you're from, but it obviously points out from there, you were born in Warrnambool, weren't yeah, you? Born, yeah, born and bred in Warrnambool back in uh, 1974, 48 years of age. I'm not afraid to say that these days or whatever, two more years away from 50 if I get there. But yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, born and bred in Warrnambool. Love knowing that that's where I was born and bred. I'm proud that I am from Warrnambool. Um, there's a lot of people when when you look around – uh, whether it's comedians, sporting people, or whatever, you'd be quite surprised how many people are actually from Warrnambool. So yeah. it's it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Can I ask way. where it's located? Down in the southwest part of Victoria, three hours west of Melbourne, okay. heading towards the South Australian border. Yep. Yeah, about a, about an hour and uh, ten minutes away from the South Australian border. Start of the Great Ocean Road, pretty okay. much. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and Warrnambool's home to like our own Knoxville Nationals in a yeah, way. Yeah, correct. The Grand Annual Sprint Car Classics. I got to announce that a, a few years, and uh, when I first started out announcing back in. 1996, so yeah, long time ago now with uh, Gavin White and myself started at the same stage and that all come about by just talking to a mate that was on our local radio show, uh, a radio station back down there in Warrnambool, 3YB at the time, and they did a local sports show on a Wednesday night where they talk about local things that were happening, different different sports. And so I just went to our, to my mate, Scotty Stewart, and, and incidentally he's passed away. He had a heart transplant and didn't make it through it and, and he's been gone, you know, good 15 years now, even longer, I probably should say. Um, and, yeah, went to him and said, oh, how do, how do we go about getting um, a speedway show or a squash show? And the reason I say squash, I used to play a lot of squash when I was younger back in Warrnambool, um, go away and play tournaments and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, said to, said to Scott, he goes, look, squash isn't going to work. Yeah. No worries. He goes, but speedway will. So then we went to the um, Premier Speedway uh, Committee or the, the track manager at the time, Jamie Nicholson, and said to Jamie, look, we've got this opportunity. And Jamie's like, yeah, happy for you guys to do it because we've seen you travel around different tracks out at Warrnambool, did it, all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, the next Wednesday night we're on the radio. Had done no public speaking, nothing. Just straight on there. Just straight on the radio and we for 20 minutes. So we started doing it and then it was the second week after we'd done the show, Jamie was then, then said to us, have you ever thought about doing commentary? Sort of, oh, no, not really. <laughs> Just happy to, like always admired um, Charlie Burley and uh, Stuart Owen, who were the stalwarts at Premier Speedway down in Warrnambool back in the day, mm. and always admired what they did. And then when they asked, we thought, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a crack. And that was back in 96 and haven't missed a year announcing until 
the shit show that's happened in the last couple of years in the world. Yeah. Um, obviously lost sort of 12 months because I ended up doing a little bit of um, – ended up doing a fair bit of drag racing commentary at, at Sydney here. So, so yeah, sort of since 96, haven't, yeah, really missed a beat and obviously been lucky enough to go to America a few times and Darwin and, and whatever. So, yeah, it's been cool. Yeah. And with that, where where did you meet your, your wife, Chardet? Did that just all come through Parramatta or was that more so Warnable? No, nah, at Parramatta, obviously – uh, I remember when I was younger seeing um, Rod, Owen, mm-hmm. her father, Rocket. Um, he come down and race the Classic and the Easter Trail a few times. So, And, and it, as everybody um, would be aware of his 60 Minutes story back in the day with Mike Munro. Um, yeah, right. I remember I, seeing, seeing that. So if you haven't seen that for a long time or you haven't seen it, yeah, Google it. It's on there, 60 Minutes, Rod Bowen, like sprint car with Mike Munro. And it's it's really cool, like when you look back at it. Back yeah. and what what's said and and the way it's done. Melinda Dumsney's on it and and Roddy, my brother-in-law, um, mm. he's on it. He's only, I think he's only two years of age or something like that. Around might even be a little bit younger. So it's sort of funny when you look at that that now. And Roddy's 31, 32, I think he is now. So yeah. it's sort of funny when you look back how far ago that was. So yeah. So then met yeah just met Charlie through people once I moved to Sydney in two thousand and five and uh, yeah met her and yeah. She mm. fell pregnant and we've got our daughter, Indiana, who turns 12 um, this month. Uh, sorry, next month, October. So, yeah, it's yeah cool that, uh, yeah, she's she's healthy, Charlotte's healthy and yeah. it's all good. And you're still kicking, which is cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm the one that's crook for the family, so that's all good. <laughs> Did you name Indiana after Indianapolis or is, no, that just no, more, just, or is that just more so just of a nice name? No, it was funny. So when obviously pregnant and we didn't want to find out what, what she had mm. or what she, what we were having, I should say. And it was like, oh, what, we had all these boy names and we're going, it's quite a funny story actually, we're going through different names and if I could make fun of a name, because mm. I'm a bit of a prankster, have a bit of a laugh and, and whatever like that. Yeah. And if I could make fun of the name, the child wasn't going to have that name. Yeah. Because if I'm doing it, what are the kids at school yeah. going to do or, or whatever like that? That was my way of thinking that. Yeah. So then, so we had a couple of boys' names picked out, but we never really had a girl's name picked out. So Indiana's been born and the doctor's there, right, what are you going to name her? And we both sort of looked at each other and gone, ah, don't know, we don't even decided yet. <laughs> so then we did the phone calls of ringing grandparents and, and uncles and aunties and, and all that and told them that we'd, we'd had a little girl, yeah. that she was fine and, and which was great. Um, and then we just looked at each other. And we're like, because we'd mentioned Indiana, obviously, as a name, and then we're just, yep, Indiana, that'll do. Yeah. But the re- the main reason for that was that we love Speedway yep. or motorsport. You look at the where the majority of amazing race car drivers come from. Yeah. Indiana. Yeah. Um, Steve Kins is from there, like just – He's the king of the outlaws. Yeah. It just all worked into things. And, and Sade's birthday's um, April 19. And so, and the 19 number means a fair bit to us due to the fact. Scott Daly. Correct. Yeah. So, and that's part of the reason Sade and I probably ended up going on a date was back after Scott's accident, we did a, a walk. Mm. Um, what's it called? The Bondi, oh. the, the City to Surf. City to Surf. And we yeah. raised money for um, a charity. Cure Our Kids, I think it was called back in the day, and I don't think it's around anymore. Mm. And we raised a lot of money and we walked on that and and that's where it sort of started off, I guess, to a degree. Yeah, so I went from there and and so, yeah, 19. So Indiana 
is the 19th state. Yeah, right. I did not know that. Yeah. So it's sort of, yeah, and, and Sade's right into her her numbers and what things mean and, and all that and, yeah. Yeah. Pretty pretty spiritual, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. the shadow is that what in that way of of thinking along those lines. Yeah. So I used to race. Obviously, that's how you kind of know me through Roddy. I yep. used to race him in go kart years, but I never got to know Scott Darley. Yep. So how did like it's obviously been shown in Parramatta Speedway days when you were helping with the media and stuff. Can you actually explain to the people who are not used to Speedway what the Scott da- what the Scott Darley was to you know Parramatta? Yeah. So the going back. Just before Scott's accident, he mm. was in, he was engaged, obviously, um, to Belinda Loudon at the time, and we'd all gone up to Darwin to go and watch Speedway up there. And Scott didn't race, but and we were on the flight back together. And on the plane, Val and Scott asked me to MC their wedding because it was coming up. Yep, no worries. So then we had a good old laugh and a few drinks on the plane on the way home and and whatever. And then his accident obviously happened at at Parramatta and can see it as clear as day. Um, and the things I got to see that night that you wouldn't wish anybody to see was pretty, pretty shocking. No other way of saying it. Yeah. And especially someone that you were becoming really good mates with. And, and obviously, you know, you're going to be emceeing their wedding, which is, it's a huge, and I'm a bit of a believer that an MC has a huge responsibility at a wedding too, because mm. you can make or break, yeah. Someone's wedding day by being an absolute flog. Yeah. Or doing the right thing and, and looking after him. So, yeah. So, Scott's accident, it was, yeah, not good, um, obviously. In terms uh, of his racing career, though, like what was it was on the trajectory, though, wasn't it? Oh, was yeah. It, he, he was, was, doing he really was well. yeah. Well, he was an ex Australian champion um, in the Lightning Sprints, yeah. the leader cars, as they were back then. And incidentally, that car's sitting out at the Bathurst Museum. At, it uh, is. Yeah. Sitting out there, fully, fully restored, sitting out there. So, which is cool stuff. So anybody's ever going out there, go into the museum there at, mm. at the uh, the last corner there, and uh, that's where Scott's car is from his um, lightning sprint or leader car, Australian title winning car. So, yeah, so it was sort of that sort of things. And then Dennis Loudon, obviously, who was going to be Scott's father-in-law, um, who now has also passed away, um, mm. he there and then in the coming weeks decided, right, we're having a big race, I'm putting money up, bang, and that's how it all happened to be. What there. year was this? Oh, it'd be the next year after Scott passed away. Oh, okay. have to be. Yeah, yeah. So um, it was right next, after. Yeah, pretty much October. Was it October? I get my dates mixed up, but it was the start of the season that Scott's accident happened. Yeah. Um, and then that following January, that's when they had the first Scott Darley. Yeah. Um, race and yeah, just just meant a lot and. Over the years on the infield and, and doing it with Wade Ollinger, um, commentating that is, some nights or some years I'd be fine talking about it and then other times it'd just get to me and not, and not afraid to, I'd start crying on the mic and yeah. it's just one of those things because you've lived through it all, you've seen it and, and you're a part of it um, and become very close with the respective families. Yeah, it just it means something to you and it grabs the heartstrings and – First to admit, I'm, I'm not afraid to cry in front of anybody or whatever it comes out, it comes out. It's it's one of those things. And and even over in America um, this year mm. uh, at Peter Murphy's race at, at Hanford, his youngest boy, Brian, did the flag lap in in a 360 sprint car. Yep. And we didn't tell his mother that he was in the car and he had one of Pete's original, it's an Australian flag suit. Mm. Um, and Brian hopped in the car and then – 
mum, she worked it out. Steph worked it out. But, yeah, mm. she come walking out onto the track and she's crying and, and I just knew how much that meant to her and Pete. Pete wouldn't show his emotion, but I lost it there. Started crying just about talking. About Scott? No, not about Scott. Oh, no, oh, but, about but just about oh, Pete yeah. because of Pete's accident and, and yeah, what it meant yeah. to Stephanie and, and stuff like that. But it just sort of on that that crying side yeah. of things. On a mic, like, it doesn't hurt to show your emotion yeah. on the microphone because it shows people – the fans or the drivers or whatever that you actually do care and mm. you're not just doing it to be an announcer or, or or make a name for yourself. It's not not about that in my book. It's I'm there doing a job and if my emotion takes over, so yeah. be it. Yeah. I think it's very important as well because like especially you, as you would understand being a male, a lot of people there's that stigma not to show any emotion. Yeah. And I think it's a good thing like you're showing emotion and being a role model for others to understand it's okay to share. Yeah. Did you find also by sharing like different times when you were on the mic and talking about it, it did help you over the years to get through? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and like for Scott's funeral, um, I was like, say lucky enough, I was asked to speak on behalf of the family, and which was a a tough deal. And I can always remember that day, um, Gary Coleman, the Reverend, Reverend yeah. that we all know and love. Um, he said to me, he goes, "Whatever you do, do not watch." the video of photos or anything like that because you're going to watch that and then try and get up and talk and you're not going to be able to do it. So yeah, on the right. day, so I didn't even watch what was going on on screen or anything like that, just left that alone. Um, and, yeah, got up and spoke and, yeah, broke down obviously a few times and, and whatever but got through it. And um, I think that helped probably too a little bit by being able to talk on the day of his, of his funeral. But, yeah, over the years it's, yeah, not afraid to talk about it like there's – Obviously, there's things I don't mm. talk about. I don't go into details about what happened, what actually yeah. happened, what what I got to see, and and everything like that. There is some very personal mm. things I got to see with the the family themselves. So it's you just yeah, it's just the right thing to do to to not talk about that stuff. You you keep that, and that's and it comes back to commentary in general. You've got to learn over the years, which which I did is you. The, you as the driver, because that's what yeah. you do, you race, You, if you tell me something, you could be telling me the absolute biggest bullshit lie in the world yeah. to test me. I then go on the microphone and blurt that out and you go, well, I know not to trust him. <laughs> but but that's yeah. right. So you've got to build that relationship with drivers, with crews or whatever like that, which I – I'm going to say 99.9% of the time I've done that. You're not going to always keep people happy. Never mm. can. But, yeah, just get in there and, and do the right thing by people. Yeah. And that was the way I was brought up by my parents back in Warrnambool. So. Just to be loyal and just yeah, stick to uh, your work. To, to, yeah, yeah. Be, be true to yourself as well. Like don't don't treat people the way you don't want to be treated. Yeah. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah. It's not hard. No. Nah. Can you, speaking on that, can you give me a bit of insight to what happened with the Tony Stewart incident in Parramatta, why he didn't come back? You don't so, have to go into full detail. But just, so so on that, yeah. I did not even know it happened yeah. that night because I was out on the infield, right, yeah. commentating, da-da-da. And then the first thing I got wind of it was when, I, I can't remember if Donnie won, Donnie Shots won or not. Yeah. And we were doing the presentations on the crowd side of the fence yep. on the podium at, at Parramatta. And I'm pretty – actually, I think Donnie might have won because he just had the shits mm. big time because he'd obviously seen what had happened, knew what was going on. Yeah. And, yeah, he just give me nothing on the podium, just nothing. And I'm just like, 
shit, what's going on here? Yeah. And then once off the microphone and got talking to a few people to find out and word had started to get around and it was like, oh, wow. And that's – and I've never uh, spoken to Donnie about it. Tony, I brought it up with him. Um, on your own podcast? No, I didn't know. No, I left it alone on the podcast because yep. when, when I um, spoke to Tony – for that two and a half hours or whatever it was it ended up being, mm. I said to him, is there anything you don't want me to bring up? And he said, I trust you. Yeah. So I knew straight away, leave that alone. Yeah. It's as much as, yeah, I'd love to poke mm. the bear and try and find out and and you could use it as clickbait. Yeah. But I'm like, no. Yeah. I know I've already got his respect and it's not as if it's just someone driving street stocks. Yeah. This is Tony Stewart for fuck's sake. Yeah, the like, legend himself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like so, I'm not. So I know I've got his respect. So I'm going to do the do the right thing. And yeah, did that. And yeah, I can call him and have a chat and and whatever. But yeah, it's just that's just one of those things. And that goes back to your what I said before about doing the right thing and treating them like a normal person, but at the same stage, don't bullshit to them. Yeah. Yeah. With, I've got to also ask, because as I said, a huge fan of you and Wade and stuff back in the day with the promotion for Valvoline when it was in its heyday, how did you guys convince like Tony and Steve Kinzer on that to come, you know, even Jeff Gordon, you know how Jeff Gordon just came right towards the end yeah, and no so, one knew? Yeah. So that it comes back to not what you know, it's who you know, really. Yeah. And I had nothing to do with getting any of those people out to Australia, like straight away. I'm just the announcer, turn up. And, and even though I was a part of the promotion for just on two years, um, out doing uh, school fates and street fates mm. and all that kind of stuff, just to just to put the name out there. But with uh, Steve Kinzer, that goes back to Brian Healy, who owned Parramatta, obviously, before. Didn't Rod buy it? Or? Yeah, Rod and Brett Morris and mm. Loudon and um, – Adard. That was a consortium back Rush. then. That boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There was four of them. Then Adard got involved. Um, so yeah, Brian Healy had a brilliant relationship with Steve Kinzer. Bought him out here for many years. The JPS cars and and all that style of stuff. And so then Brian had bringing bring Steve out, um, and then obviously Brian passed away. And then when the consortium had the track, they employed Mike Raymond mm-hmm. to be the track manager. And Mike said to them, if you want to make money over Christmas, you need to bring Steve Kinzer. Yeah. So they did that and pretty much on a good authority that I know, the year they made decent money was the year they bought Steve Kinzer out. Yeah. So it comes back to them just being able to be able to talk to them. Obviously, Donnie Schott's, his relationship with Gary Rush. Mm-hmm. Um, cause Donnie drove for him for so many years and then Donnie obviously then started driving for Tony Stewart. So then it's like, all right, let's see if Tony wants to come out. Of course he does. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And, and Hey, it's not cheap to bring someone like that out here either. Like I, I yeah. know exactly what Tony asked for. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of money Yeah. and, and he's got every bloody right to ask for it. He's yeah. Tony Stewart. Yeah. Who doesn't want him at, at your racetrack? Yeah. Do they, do they ship their – is it true that they ship their old cars out here to race here or, is, oh, or do look, they bring whatever ones that they think look, is the best? I, I think when the Outlaws first um, – when Brian Healy did the Outlaw Down Under thing, they're not shipping out all their greatest 
stuff. It is stuff they've used. Yeah. Um, to to for that side of things. So and then they're smart enough. They bring it out, like give it a paint job to make it look a bit better or whatever, or leave it the way it is. Um, and then yeah, th- they were selling the cars and motors and and whatever like that. But I think that the times have changed for that now though, mm. because you've got the likes of Max Dumsney Motorsport selling everything and anything. You've got Rocket selling anything and here, here in Sydney I'm yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about. And then Bill Mann's deal, Queensland Speedway Spares. There's there's a stack of different people around the country that are bringing in stuff for the for the sport. Yeah. And when you look at that, you don't really need to then go and buy a second-hand World of Outlaw car or a motor mm. because you can – and when I say or a motor – to go and buy a brand new motor in Australia now from KRE, I believe they're around $100,000. Just the motor? Just the motor. Itself. It's Holy just shit. Just the motor. <laughs> right, hundred grand. It might be north of that. It might be south of that, but it's it's around that figure. Yeah. I haven't rang up Kenny Mack and gone, hey, Kenny, what's a motor worth? But yeah. But that's, that's what I've heard. It's around that, that figure. So when the Americans are bringing out their gear and wanting a motor, mm. they might sell it for – I don't know, back, we're talking 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, let's say 40 US. Mm-hmm. So that's what, 55 Australian, 50 Australian. So you're getting a decent, hopefully, reliable yeah. motor because you've got no idea. You could bolt that in, go race, and then it goes bang. Yeah. No insurance on that. Yeah. That's part of motor racing. Yeah. What about, what's the, like, the best raw talent that you've seen at the Speedway at Parramatta from your perspective? It doesn't have to be like a, you know, like a Tony Stewart. Is there any guys that come to mind, like Scott Daly and others that were racing in that era? Um, Is there anyone that just caught your eye? You I, know, like, look, I think he's had it. Or had I, it? I think, and it's Mitchell Dumsney. Hmm. His talent he had, where he would obviously go out and win it or bin it, so to speak. Yeah, and and Mitch is Mitch, um, and I say that respectfully, but he ended up not being able to race because some accidents and back problems and, and stuff, I I believe. I'm pretty sure that's the main reason why he stopped racing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mitch Mitch had the had the talent for sure. I'm just trying and because I've seen so many, it's sort of Yeah. It's hard to a degree to and you don't really want to as much as I have named someone, but you don't want to name a certain one. Certain one. Especially on a podcast like this. Yeah, <laughs> I, it is. It's, yeah. But but yeah, for whatever reason and hey, it's my opinion, but I think Mitch did yeah. He's probably very unlucky that he didn't because you only got to look at obviously Matt, he's a hell of a race car driver, Matt Dumsey. Yeah. And then Marcus, the youngest one, like yeah. he just won the Australian title. He's just been in America for the last three months racing over there. He's just got home. Yeah. Um I think Marcus will be very tough this season too, after yeah. doing three months over there racing against the outlaws. Was that his plan though after the nationals to go over there, or was it just a, like a random deal? No, no, they they've been planning that for months. Okay, yeah, four months that they were him and Mouse Green um, were going over on the road and and doing that, and I guess winning the Australian title was just a bonus before they left. So I got to also ask back to your family side of things. Yep. Did you grow up with like brothers and sisters and yeah, so your got, family background? Yeah, so I got an older sister that's mm-hmm. seven years older than me, older than me. Um, she lives in Port Ferry, which is another 20 minutes west towards the South Australian border for, for Brooks. For Brooke, yeah. So she knows where we're Yeah, where and we're everybody else is like, where yeah, the hell yeah. are we? <laughs> Port, actually, Port Ferry is a be- – and Warnable is as well, but Port yeah. Ferry is a beautiful coastal town. It's got a cracking golf course right on the on the water, yeah. on the beach. Um, so, yeah, Port, yeah, she lives at Port Ferry. She's a school teacher. There's, ever since I can remember, she's been a, 
a school teacher and whatever. So um, with being seven years older, probably didn't have that much to do with her. Um, mm. Yes, yeah, she's married, got two two children, Millie and Xavier, and um, yeah, so they were my first niece and nephew. Um, so I got yeah, and then a younger brother. Uh, he's two years younger than me, and he lives over in Bunbury. Yep. he's married over there with with two girls, Georgia and Alice. So yeah, it's um yeah cool that they're yeah the family sort of thing. So yeah, just one one sister and one brother. Yeah, right. And then obviously, where was your first job? You were a carpenter, weren't you? Yeah, so I was a, yeah started my building apprenticeship when I was sixteen. Yeah. Um, but before my first job actually was uh, and I was actually only telling my daughter this the other day. Um, <laughs> So back in the day, like for pharmacists to yeah. get drugs out to elderly people, this is obviously in country Victoria, yeah. they'd employ young kids, finish school, ride your push bike to the pharmacy, go in, get – you'd have a backpack and you'd get a bag of everybody's stuff. You needed Panadol and whatever else and you needed all this other stuff. Yeah. I'd ride to your place, drop it off, ride to your place. So you might have about 10 drops in this certain area and yeah. you did it each day or after school each day and dropped off the medicine to, to different people around the town. That, yeah, was, right. that was my first job, yeah. <laughs> and then did my apprenticeship with my dad, yeah. Yeah, right. oh, so you did your apprenticeship with your dad for yeah. the carpentry stuff. Yeah. So that, yeah. was in, that was a background into your family, was it? Like your dad was a carpenter. Yeah, so dad, yeah, dad's a car- or cabinet maker. He, yeah. he was born and bred in, in Footscray in um, Western Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and then eventually moved out to Warrnambool once he'd met mum and, and yeah, so dad, yeah, dad was always a cabinet maker and yeah, then yeah, we just built kitchens and did um, bathroom renovations and built a couple of houses and, and whatever like that. But then my health just got too bad when I was sort of 17, 18 and yeah, it was just too hard to be on building sites and, and whatever. So, and that's when I ended up having a, a major operation and um, having all my large bowel removed. No one, no one what, what age was that? Uh, I... June the 1st, I was 20. Yeah. And then 12 days, and that's when the operation was. And then 12 days later, I turned 21. Jeez. So I spent my 21st hospital in, 21st birthday in St. Vincent's Private Hospital in Melbourne. <laughs> that's not yeah. the Happy quite. birthday, Stu. <laughs> <too. Yeah. laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, actually, it's a funny story. So when uh, being obviously 21 years of age, all these young hot-looking nurses are in there looking yeah. after you and whatever and because you couldn't really bath yourself or you'd, they'd go and take you for a shower and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I can't believe I'm about to tell this story. But <laughs> so I'd moved from – so I was in ICU for three days and then they said, all right, we'll take you. You're going to go in your own room but we'll go and give you a birdie bath. All right, no yeah. worries. So go on in there. And I've got tubes out my neck and tubes out, out everywhere, right? Yeah. And they – take me in, bath me, and then I come back in and hop back into bed and I'm just laying there because it takes it out of you because I was on the operating table for like 11 and a half hours or whatever it was back then. Yeah. So you're exhausted just Yeah, just, 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 having, a, just having a shower, like sitting in a chair, having yeah. a, someone wash you. It took it out of me. And then um, so I'm laying there and mum's sitting there with me and and I said to mum, because of my cheekiness and, and yeah. whatever like that, I said to mum, oh, I can't believe it. I've got these hot-looking nurses and they're touching it and they're washing it and it didn't even stand up. <laughs> and she and, – and like, but that was me. That's yeah, how I yeah. dealt with it. Like it was like a bit of a joke and and what. And there's a photo on social media of me sitting in the um, in a chair in the hospital and I look like something out of the mafia, like this big balloon face because of the drugs I was on and a mm. little bit of a goatee going on and, and whatever like that. But the shirt I had on was quite funny at – one of the old no fear shirts. Yeah, right. Yeah, so just sort of when you look back <laughs> at it now, like I was 21, but yeah, had no fear. So 
Yeah. And then you went into Australia Post as well, was another yeah, job? So, yeah, so once I finished, um, once my health started to get better because I didn't work for, a, oh, I'm going to say 12 months, I guess, because you just I just didn't feel like getting used to it. And because I had a colostomy bag for three months as well, mm. um, so you just didn't feel like, I didn't anyway, doing doing much, so to speak, and just making sure everything was going right so I could have that reversed and then go normally, which I do now, That was and that was 27 years ago. And yeah, so I ended up getting a job with Australia Post, just doing the um, the post office box sorting in the morning, um, just throwing the letters in the post office boxes, and and then ended up working. They wanted me to learn to be a postie, like be yeah. on, on a motorbike, and they said, "Oh, you want to get your motorbike license?" I'm like, "Yeah," <laughs> but yeah, so I went and got that because yeah, so that was cool, and ended up not going down that path, and ended up working in retail shops. Yeah, right. Yeah, taking money off people, so <laughs> which was good though because it probably bought my. Uh, which I'd already started announcing at that stage, but that probably brought me out a little bit more because you're dealing, having to deal with a lot of different people mm. um, and personalities on a counter. So you're an introvert, like originally. Oh yeah, I'd say so. Pretty quiet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, it's but it's but if say you're in like where we are now, say yeah. you were having a party in here. Yeah. And where I'm sitting right now in the corner. Yeah. Is where I'd be. Yeah. Hey, you sound like Dan and I. <laughs> I wouldn't be yeah, but yeah. I wouldn't be off mingling and yeah. talking to people and introducing myself. I'm like, if I don't know you, yeah. Sorry, I'm not being rude, but yeah. I'm not that type of person to yeah. go up and which people find very, very strange. But if I've got one of these things in my hand, a microphone, yeah, <laughs> different story. Doesn't matter who you are, <laughs> I'll go up and start talking to you. Yeah, right. But if I don't have that microphone, no. So you're not alone, Dan. We were at a thing the other night, like a, a networking event. We're just standing in the corner, the two of us, and they're coming over. They're like, "You're gonna come talk? What do you do?" And Dan's like, "Oh, we're podcasters." They're like, "So why are you standing in the corner?" And Dan's like, "Because I don't have a mic." <laughs> yeah. Exactly like you, hundred yeah. percent. I'm just not that. And Sade's the same. My wife, she's yeah, very reserved that way or whatever. But once you get to know her or myself or whatever, and I've built that relationship, different story. And like some of my mates and and whatever like that, they'd be like, "Oh, there's no way you're like that, Stuart." Well, no, I am. It's just like, but having a joke and having a bullshit with someone, yeah, yeah no worries at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah not very, very much. <laughs> Need the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so growing up with like the Bell Bones because you got married to Sade, what was it like when Roddy first started racing sprint cars? Because before Toby got into it, who's massively into it now, what was it just with like Roddy racing? So Roddy. Roddy was already racing before Sade and I got together. Yep. So that so I just knew him as Roddy Bell Bowen and Rod Bowen and um and yeah, just it's to me, as much as they are my brother in laws, mm. when they're on the racetrack, they're just another car. Mm. In saying that, anybody that's just another car on the racetrack. And back, not so much now at Eastern Creek because I'm up up in the box, so I'm not down mm. getting close and personal and, and whatever like that. But when at Parramatta, when you're on the infield and being able to get to an accident or or see what's going on, my mindset every time was to be able to let family and friends know the situation. Mm. Is to be able to go, yes, Dan's okay, he's talking, but – it's going to take a little bit to get him out of the car yeah. because you've got something wrong with you. Yeah. Right. So I'm not going to say exactly what's been wrong with you, but you've got to be able to let the family know 
that you're okay, that yeah. you're talking. If, if you've had a sleep, I'd rather say, yeah, they've been knocked out, they're coming back, safety crash crew doing their thing to make sure once we've got more of an update, we'll let you know. Yeah. So as much as, yes, Roddy, Toby, brother-in-law's watching them what's going on on the racetrack, yeah, I cared and still care if they're in a race car or whatever like that, which they're both not obviously, but yeah. if they were, I would. But at the same stage, they were just another – competitor on the racetrack because I can't as a as them then being my brother-in-law I can't be showing favoritism yeah and talking them up and telling everybody what's happened at the race shop that week or so I distance myself yeah. from them if if anything from in the the racing side of things so that way no one can say I favoritism my brother-in-laws or I favor Grant Tunks or mm. whoever. Yeah. I try to be as fair as I can across the board. Yeah. It's the only way you can do it. Yeah. Because you won't last. Yeah. And you you and Wade were like the two obviously big commentators at Parramatta. You were saying that you went over to America. Was that because of Wade or was that just because of uh, other so what, connections? So what happened there was um, – so Wade and I, yeah, we obviously got on very well with our announcing, the way we bounced off each other. But I owe – just to digress a little bit, I owe – all my announcing to Steve Raymond. So when I come to Sydney the first time, Steve, so Steve Green and I spoke at Knoxville in 2005 over there and Steve said to me, oh, what are you doing commentary next year, this season? I said, no, nothing, got nothing going on. He goes, all right, ring me when you get back. So I rang Steve and he said, all right, we'll fly, because I was living in Melbourne, we'll fly you up, we'll get you to do three, four shows, let Steve Raymond see what you like, whether Steve can work with you. Um, Not Mike, Steve. Steve, yeah. yeah right. So Steve. Um, and so we did that and then, yeah, the, obviously the rest is history. Steve could yeah. see that we could work together. He could teach me stuff. Um, and, yeah, so work with Steve more than I did Wade because Wade wasn't based in Sydney um, for all those years. He might fly in and then a couple of years he was based, obviously, in, in Sydney once Barry Waldron took over. Mm. And, yeah, so Steve and I, we commentated together and I learned so much off that man because if you want to have a look at what he's done, not not in Speedway, you have yeah. a look at what he's done away from Speedway. Steve Raymond is absolutely amazing. And I did do a podcast with him actually. It's worth a listen. All right. Um, <laughs> I'll go back and yeah, listen to that ch- Chatting with Sturat, by the way. Um, <laughs> I was going to bring that up, yeah, but anyway. <laughs> um, it's, uh, yeah, so Steve, yeah, he and, – and, yeah, Wade and I, we just – yeah, we – with the, the age difference probably between Steve and myself, yeah. but it worked. And then Wade and I are a lot closer in age and it just, yeah, it worked. So then with America, what happened there, I went and announced in Darwin in 2017-18 season, I think it was. Mm. It might have been 16-17, whichever it was around that time anyway. And did two seasons up there, which was fantastic. Had a ball and it was great. And then got told I was no longer required and that's fine. That's their decision. Um, and then – Peter Murphy uh, rang Danny Porter, who Danny Porter's a racer up there in Darwin and they're great mates and Danny was the one that got me job up there in Darwin and I'd stay with Danny and and whatever. So Murphy rang him and said, oh, I need someone to come and do a race. Who should I get? And Porter just said, get you. Yeah. It's not going to cost you a fortune for starters <laughs> and he's passionate, loves it, and he'll do what you want. So Murphy – and I'd been at Murphy to get him to do the podcast with me. Yeah. And it's like, come on, Murph. And then he rings me and he goes, if you want to do this podcast with me, you've got to come to America and do it. I'm like, stop being a flog. 
I am not paying my own way to come and do yeah. a podcast with you for an hour. Yeah. Like, please, wake up to see yourself. <laughs> so he goes, no, 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 I need someone to come and do me race. And this was a Wednesday. Yeah. I was on the plane the next Wednesday. Yeah, right. So right. there was no time to make things work it out. It was like, all right, I need it's next weekend. you yeah. got to be here. So, yeah, so did it and, yeah, went over and did – did um, that was at Tulare um, in California, Central California, um, which is just a kick-ass race track, Tulare Thunderbolt, mm. and did that. And then the, the track promoter there, Steve Faria, who who still is the track promoter, he um, he loved what I did and come up to me and, and said, "Hey, Stu, anytime you want to come back, let me know. Yeah, you're more than welcome on help on the microphone here anytime." I'm like, "Oh yeah, whatever. That's someone just saying that, so to speak, or whatever." And and then about 20 minutes later, he come back up to me and, and he's pro- a little bit taller than me and but a big American, like not fat, but a mm. big solid American man with these huge hands. I only got small hands, but yeah. he's got huge hands. And he come up and he goes, hey, Stu, I don't want you telling me when you want to come back. I want you to come back for Trophy Cup in yep. October, which is a, a massive 360 event where they're raising money for Make-A-Wish over there. And put his hand out and shook my hand and I knew – Straight away, yeah, done deal and, and whatever. And, yeah, went over and commentated Trophy Cup in, which the first one I did was the 25th, 25th anniversary of that event. And then, yeah, went back and done Merce Race again the following year and then did Trophy Cup again that in October. Um, and then the world shit itself again. Yeah. So then didn't go back. And then I went back in May this year and did did Merce Race, so, yeah, right. which was good. You got to explain to me and the other listeners though, like what's the difference between like Aussie Speedway, which we see here, to America? Because obviously the, the 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 main guys know that they run every single night. Can you explain like how it just happens over there? And yeah, so the why big, it generates money and do you know what I mean? Yeah, the the big difference I think with American Speedway to Australian Speedway, mm. and I'm not saying this because we're Aussies, yeah, but I think we do it better. Yeah, um, and the reason I say that is we actually want to put on a show. Mm. for the fans. Yeah. Whereas in America, they want to put a show on for the fans, mm. right, on the racetrack, but they're not so – I don't want to offend anybody, but not as good as being able to get the crowd involved. It's just racing, racing, racing. So you watch the World of Outlaws. Yeah. And that's the way they've set it up. It's just racing, 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 done, out, because they've got to get – packed up, washed up, maintenance and on the road or or whichever way they do it to the yeah. next track. Um, whereas, yeah, we do that, have a bit of fun in between races or a dancing comp or, or whatever because I think the biggest thing for Speedway and probably motorsport across Australia or even the world, mm-hmm. I think we forget that we're in the entertainment industry, right? It's, yeah. it's a, like even for you with, with your Formula Ford. Yeah. I, I know circuit racing is obviously – so much different to to what Speedway is, but to me, like the amount of downtime you probably have at the racetrack. Brooke can paint a picture when she's there. I agree with you completely. I keep saying to Dan, there is no like entertainment, no nothing down here. Yeah. That's what supercars is doing wrong, for example. I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but a lot of people agree. And <laughs> it's true because everyone's complaining about the cost of tickets. And I said to Dan when we took me to Speedway, I said that how much better things are done. And that's what we're missing in a lot of those sports yeah. across the board. It's not just, you know, picking on one sport or anything. No, exactly. And I think post um, – I say to this to Dan as well, post-COVID, you know, a little bit more effort needs to go in, and especially with these industries that really suffered during COVID as well, like the music industry, 
They need somewhere to perform. Bring them out, pay them, have them out there. Who does it really well? We've seen is the um, uh, motocross yeah. um, events yep. and those sort of ones. They absolutely kill it. The yep. ones they got coming up in Melbourne have some of the biggest names performing down there in between all the sports events. Yep, and yep. that's yeah. The, and the biggest pro- and the, probably the, the hardest thing we have as a as an industry, the motorsport industry, mm. our programs are too long. Right, even speedways too long. Yeah, right. It needs to be. T20 cricket, it needs to be shortened right down to a – Yeah. To not, I'm not saying two hours because no way you can do a motorsport event in two hours, mm. like a, a proper speedway or a yeah, circuit, circuit racing. racing. Yeah. Yes, monster trucks and all that, you can do that for two hours. That's part of motorsport. But it's for, – for speedway or circuit racing, you need to be able to somehow condense it down to – it's just a – especially for speedway is to go, all right, maybe gates open, and this is my opinion – Time trialing and racing during the day mm-hmm. doesn't help the track at all. So maybe we need to get rid of that side of things. And cars don't go on, and I'm talking sprint cars here. Sprint cars don't go on track till seven o'clock. Yeah. Especially in summer, middle of summer, Christmas time when it's the busiest period and the sun's beaming, beaming down. Hot, yeah. You got Parramatta race. always got hot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like just maybe you need to shorten that up. And I know people have spoken about it and, and I'm sure Speedway Australia are trying to think of different ways of doing things. Yeah, and, I had one guest who was very vocal about all this type of stuff. That you did. Um, <laughs> and, and he's entitled to his opinion. Yeah. So good on good on Tony for saying what he said. That's his choice. He got the right platform yeah. to be able to do it. Do I agree? Do I disagree? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's, it is what it is. So yeah. it's – but it's, it's a matter of – in, in my opinion, with if Speedway Australia are doing things in the background or, or whatever, and I think sometimes, and just the way the world is as well, everybody tries to keep things a little bit of a secret yeah. and then go, bang, here it is, this is what we're doing. Maybe it might be worth putting things out there and letting people throw an idea out because there might be some race fan that's sitting on the hill mm. that's a race fan, but he's a CEO yes. of yeah. – the yeah. Commonwealth Bank. Yeah. Right? Well, he's a smart man. So why not go, hey, we want to include you? Or then there might be a postie yeah. that's a race fan and he's got one idea and that could be the greatest idea that's the sport's ever seen. Yeah. But because he doesn't have a voice, it might be worth saying, hey, to Speedway Australia or, or whatever, let's open something up or let's have a – a poll or or, mm. or cams or, or whoever it is, mm. do it that way because there might be just that that postie from bloody Blacktown yeah. that's got the greatest idea but he doesn't have the platform to be able to put it out there. Like he could send an email but they could go, oh, yeah, whatever, mate. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's There's that many different possibilities and it's just the way the world is, I guess, in whether it's Speedway, whether it's business, whether it's whatever it is, mm. you've got to, yeah. Mike Raymond used to do it really well though. Like in the heyday, was it the, was it the late eighties and nineties, early nineties when it was booming when he was around? At Parramatta? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Mike, yeah, he, I never really had a whole lot to do with Mike. Mm. Um, got to announce with him for one season um, and which I am, because obviously for people passed. that passed away now. Um, yeah. To, and I'm, and I don't think there's too many, there, there might be a handful of people that have commentated with Mike and Steve mm. together on or there might be a stack of people on on a single night that have commentated with the both brothers because they're they're the best two best motorsport commentators Australia's ever produced. Totally agree. Um, 
and always will be. No yeah. one's going to beat those two brothers. Yeah. And then I was lucky enough to get to do it a whole season yeah. at Parramatta to, to commentate with Steve and Mike, both of them sitting up in the box and I'm out on the infield. Yeah. And I wish I had realised back then how cool that was. Yeah. Because I don't have a photo of it with the two of them. I've only got one photo with Steve and myself. Or so I want to say one fo- one decent photo of us up in the commentary box yeah. and the rest are just, yeah, say-so photos or whatever like that. So it's sort of, yeah, I'm, I'm one that hasn't probably kept a lot of stuff like that from early years, I guess. I wish yeah. I had of now. Um, but that's one of those things. I've changed topic there. I don't even know what we're talking about. Oh, no, it was just about the promotion, just, you know what I mean, like how Mike and Steve yeah, so, essentially yeah, changed. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, Mike, his flair of being able to do what he did, um, when you think about it. Because he even changed supercars. Do you know what I mean? Like they were, oh, just, they yeah. were just the production car type yep. of situation and they, they changed. And, but Speedway back then was bigger than yeah, supercars. Spe- yeah, Speedway by the freeway and, and yeah. all those kind of di- – he got how to do it and going back to the what I said before about Steve Kinzer. Mm. If you want to make money, bring him out. And that was Mike. That He knew that's what you had to do. And and even Liverpool Speedway, they were both announcers there. And Did you um, go to Liverpool? No. No, I never, okay. no, never went to the Sydney showgrounds or Liverpool, obviously, before my time, before I yeah, came to Sydney. Okay. So, um, which was, yeah, disappointing. And um, But that's one of those things. So. Do you, what about other, like, abandoned tracks or tracks that were left behind in Melbourne, though? Do you remember anything outside of Warnham? So I never went to the, the Melbourne Speed Bowl. Never went there. My, my father, he... My father is the one that got me into the sport. Mm. So he took me when I was four or five years of age to, to Premier Speedway. Um, remember sitting there watching the sport and, and whatever and just fell in love with it, obviously. And, yeah, but Dad used to go to the Speed Bowl. Um, that's where he first started loving the sport. Mm. And then Dad actually stood on the back straight at Premier Speedway on the grandstand, let punters up and down into the grandstand for however many years, and he's a life member of the club down there and 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 the like. So, um, yeah, that's how we got involved. But, yeah, it's – there's no – I can't think of any tracks that I went to back in Victoria mm. that have closed down. Yeah. Since, yeah, since I've been obviously involved or, or whatever like that, they're all still still going. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is now because we've both left Parramatta and you were a commentator there, what's like your thoughts about it just sitting there, lying there? Do you reckon they could have squeezed a few more years out of it or was just too too much politics in the background, do you reckon? Uh, which answer do you want? <laughs> the, the truth, or, or my, sorry, my opinion with the truth in it? Yeah, that I believe that it's the truth, or that the, the, the straight bat. My okay, my, I'll, <laughs> okay, I'll give my opinion first. I hundred percent thought it was just. It's you might agree with me on this. I think it was just. It was just literally going to be bought for housing development. Do you know what I mean? In the long term, because I don't think what they were going to do, like with the railway and whatnot. I I don't think that's true. Yeah. And I think they could have, if, if 2020 had not happened, they probably could have squeezed a few more races out of it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So everybody always knew, obviously, it's crown land. <clears throat> Eventually, it's going to go. Yeah. So, th- and this is my personal opinion. Yeah. Not what that's, that's where our podcast Yeah, correct. <laughs> um, is that, yes, everybody knew it was going to happen. Yeah. The thing that stinks about it is it was the way it was done. <clears throat> I agree that the government just come in and said, you're closed, you're done. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, and not only to Valvoline Raceway, Parramatta City Raceway, mm. there was a stack of businesses in that. You only got to drive past it now yeah. and see the buildings that have been demolished 
in around the sport, uh, the speedway, mm. um, they all got told the same thing. Oh, they all got told. I thought it was uh, just the speedway. No, 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 no. All the businesses across the road and there's. Even the helicopter pad, all yep. that gone. Yep, gone. Wow. Yep, that's all gone. That's all part of that land. So all that is flat. So the speedway's not flat yet, but yeah. it will be. So, yeah, all those businesses got told the same thing. So then, and I was actually in America at uh, Peter Murphy's race when that when it got announced. Um, yeah, right. So you weren't even here. No, I wasn't even here. And um, I was like, oh, wow. And don't, again, won't lie, shed a tear sitting in the motel room when I found out. I was like, yeah. oh, wow, this is this sucks. And... Yeah, the way it went down and then the, the promoters at the time, Barry and Felicity Waldron. They were doing a great job though. Yeah, they did. They invested point. a lot of money and, and everything like that into the sport and still do. And they had their reasonings of why they didn't continue on. COVID hit. People say, are oh, they just hid behind COVID? Mm. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't know. Yeah. That's their decision. That That's their business. Yeah, They can do what they want to do yeah. and they did. Everyone was stuck in a hard situation though. Back they, then. Yeah, yeah, we were. And, yeah. and it was the way it fell. Yeah. And it is what it is. You can't change it. Does it suck that it sat there for the last two and a half years not being used? You look at it rotting away. Rotting away. And you go, damn, we could have been racing there. That that not so much when the, the busy time of COVID. Yeah. But since it's eased, yeah, it could no worries at all. While we're waiting for the new place to be built um at Eastern Creek. Now whether the government did the right thing, the wrong thing, whatever, the government didn't have to build a $70 million speedway. Yeah. Right? And whether it is $70 million, whether it's $50 million, whether it's $180 million. Yeah. Who knows? Who cares? They didn't have to do that. They didn't have to do it. Yeah. Right? Is it right the way they've built it? Probably not. Yeah. There's issues out there that they're still fighting through right now, the the, the promotion that, that's out there. They're, yeah. they're dealing with things ongoing, trying to get things right. And as much as social media is social media these days and everybody's got a right to write what they want on their own page or write on whatever page, yeah. sometimes I wish people would just stop and think before they just think about themselves. I can guarantee anybody that listens to this mm. that John and Kathy Kelly – and Scott and Leonie Anderson are doing everything in their powers, whether you love them or hate them, yeah. to get that place right so we've got a world-class venue and speedway track to be able to use here in metropolitan Sydney. Yeah. Name another metropolitan city in Australia that has a speedway in the metropolitan area. Yeah. Now, logistically, I'm not – and when I say that, Archerfield obviously is, it's going. Mm. Perth, I'm not sure whether you call Quinana metropolitan. So for Western Australian listeners, I'm not saying you're not in metropolitan, but yeah. when you look at where Eastern Creek is or where Parramatta was, you're in the heart of Sydney. Yeah. Right? As much as people say Western Sydney, mm. you look at the – and like where we are now recording this over on the Northern Beaches. Yeah. Right? You're not the heart of Sydney. No. Right? You're – you're like we're, nor, nor, we're, as we're I said, northern, we're shoved in a corner somewhere. Yeah, northern. <laughs> well, yeah, it is the northern beaches, obviously, yeah. but yeah. it's the heart of Sydney is west of Parramatta now. Yeah, because class. because there. everybody's moving west or southwest or whatever. Because you can't develop any further north here. Mm. It's either got to be west or south. Yeah, southwest. You yeah. can't the the city can't grow anymore, and that's the way it's going. Mm. So ideally. Eastern Creek Speedway or the, the motorsport precinct of what that area is now, Eastern Creek, obviously 
you've got the cart track, you've got the motocross dome, yeah, you've got the dragway, you've got your you- circuit circuit racing, you've got the drag ray, and you've got a speedway. Five major disciplines or motorsport all in that ten kilometer radius. Mm. There's probably not another place in the world that has those five. Yeah, to that's cover so off. True. When you think about it, like I said, go karts. Yeah. Motocross and indoor, like it's not a huge track, but it's yeah. still a motocross track indoors. You can go and use it any time. Circuit racing, drag racing, and speedway. Yeah. And Toby, your um. <laughs> Don't call me son. No, not son. I was going to say son-in-law. Yeah, brother-in-law. <laughs> brother-in-law. Couldn't be mixed up. <laughs> um, Toby, he's been working hard on Sprint Car Hub. Yeah, he has, mate. He's done a really good job. I've had absolutely nothing to do with it. Knew yeah. nothing about it when he when he released it. And and good on him. He got a taste in commentary. Um, we got him at Parramatta there for a couple of seasons. He um, did really well with that. Yeah, though. he did. Yeah, he did. He 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 needed to and. Uh, had, had this conversation with him, shorten up his answers mm. when we were talking about certain things or whatever, and just drag on. And he knew that, but yeah, he's he's found a a, a hub. Excuse the, yeah. the punt intended, but <laughs> he has found that that niche of being able to develop and show people a different side of sprint cars. Yeah, because that's what he's showing. It's it's all about sprint sprint car hub. It's supposed to be all about sprint cars. So that's what. That's what he's showing. So, um, yeah, no, he's doing a great job. That's his his little baby. He's doing it. He's got his mate Matt helping him out and doing a great job. And yeah, they're, they're getting it out there. And because the reason I brought that up is though he was actually trying to show the crowd what the Kellys and the Andersons were trying to do because of the whole you know everyone was cut, kicking up a stink online why the track wasn't the way it was. And he's he's that's as you said he's showing the behind the scenes thing that sprint cars actually need. Since the Raymond brothers, in a way, do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, uh, for sure. It's 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 there. He's given them a voice to do that, and mm. good on him for it. My opinion, they should be doing it on their own channels, yeah. on their own own Eastern Creek Facebook page or Instagram page or whatever. Yeah, they they know enough, and I'm not saying me. I'm it could be Wade, could be anybody. Yeah, but get do it on your own socials. Mm. Don't use yeah right someone else's platform. Do it on your own because you're trying to build up your own people watching or or being involved in the in the sport. But hey, any publicity is good publicity, and, and and that's what it is. And yeah, hats off to Tobes with and Matt with what they're doing. Yeah, and we were talking obviously way way back about Mitch, and you were saying that he had tremendous talent. Does Mitch remind you? Does Marcus remind you of Mitch in terms of the way you've seen him develop really quickly, or not really? Oh, uh, or is he just? A total- I think Marcus is a whole lot smoother. Mm. On the racetrack, yeah. yeah, he's he's very smooth, and I think Marcus has got the bonus of having Mouse mm. as a crew chief, being able to work with him and talk with him because you got to remember Mouse. Um, Why did Mouse choose him though over like Matt, for example? Uh, not sure. That'd be a question you'd have to have That's get Ma- Mouse on. Yeah, you know, right. He hates talking, but good luck, good luck with that. <laughs> um, but Mouse, he's known Marky since he was like yeah. that high, like two years younger probably even younger than two years of age. So they've just got that relationship and, and whatever. And they, He was crew chief for Max, wasn't he? Max, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Max and obviously the Valvoline thing, did that come through, Valvoline Speedway come through the Dumsney family for that period of time? No, or? I think Valvoline had always been a sponsor at the track, at the venue. Mm. Um, and then it just, yeah, it just grew. And I don't even know what year or who the promoter would have been. Mm. I'm guessing 
Gee, I'm, I'm guessing it was probably when Barry Waldron took over. Yeah. When it changed to Valvoline. Yeah. I think it was 2013, 2014. Yeah, it would have been, yeah, around that then. Yeah. 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 Date, I'm terrible with dates, first to admit it. It's yeah. just, yeah, they all flow in. Yeah. Did Waldron and those, those was it those promoters and even the consortium, did they decide each American, like, Group of drivers yeah, to come they, into yeah. the speedway. Yeah, they decided. So they were they out. were the ones that were getting the ones in, really, essentially. Yeah, the promotion. Yeah, they're the ones that pay to, to bring Americans out and and whatever. Yeah. Um. But then there's teams out there that go and do a deal with a with a driver. Um. Yeah. And bring him out and like Dyson and Mercedes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's just um. Yeah. Some people have got the money to be able to do it, and others don't. And then the the track will decide. Well, hey, we're going to bring someone out and do a deal. On whatever the the deal may be, where they might pay them an appearance fee, and then they get no prize money. Um, it's just yeah, whatever they want to, whatever they. So how does that work? What you get an appearance fee, and then you get. So, so yeah, so some so, so different deals. You don't yeah, have to mention the money. Yeah, no, there's, there's so there's different teams or drivers that they'll come out and so they have their airfares covered. They'll want to stay at a hotel, or they're happy to stay with the family, or or whatever, whichever way it works, and then they might say, all right. You're going to get, you might be here for four weeks and I'm going to give you $10,000. And it'll be 10,000 US. Then you get no prize money. Yeah. Or they'll come out and they might get a couple hundred bucks a week plus prize money. So then the cut might be 60, 40. So the driver gets 60 and the car owner gets 40, or it might be 30, 70. The driver yeah. gets 30 and the car owner, it just depends who it is. And yeah, that's, it just comes back to whichever deal. Deal they want to do. I know one driver, and I won't say a name, but mm. he cut a deal where he went a certain amount for the time he was here, mm-hmm. and then he won a shitload of races, and it cost him money. Yeah, right. So if he had gone the deal of taking a cut of the prize purse, yeah, he would have made more money. Yeah, right. Jeez, see that's, that's motorsport. That's the thing, though. In in circuit racing, as I was saying in a book the other day, so Formula Ford has their own festival that they're having this year, and we're getting like I think it's like a grand for first and eight hundred for second and six hundred for third or whatever. But we hardly get any cash prize, so that in my way doesn't get the guys' cars out of the shed. Do you know what I mean? But with sprint cars, that's why like I'm so addicted to it. Like I love the the fact that they've got the prize money. You know, the entertainment thing, as Brooke was saying, that just entices people to watch it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like that's the difference between Speedway, which is why I'm so intrigued and I brought you on to like the stuff that I normally get guys who are from the tar thing. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It, it, and it's funny how it works. Like in, in America right now, right it, up in Washington at Skagit Speedway, hmm. three night show, 10 grand to win the first night, 10 grand to win the second night. And it's $26,000 to win the third night. Yeah. And then that pays right down the line though. That's just the winner's share. Then obviously you look at what Eldora do. They've had a couple of huge shows this year. One paid 175. The National Knoxville Nationals pays 175. Whatever it is, there's there's huge money in America. Our biggest paying race that we've had is obviously a 50 grand winning race in Australia. Mm. Um, I believe the Grand Annual Sprint Car Classic in January um, coming up. That's 50 grand because it's the 50th running coming up. Um, so yeah, so the money's there, but it's as any motorsport team will say, if you want to make a million dollars in running motorsport, mm. you need to start with five. Yeah. <laughs> That's. Yeah. You, you, you're never you, going to make money out of it. Nah, you're going to lose money all yeah. the time. And speed and Speedway, and and probably the biggest thing with um, Speedway competitors in general, 
Mm. Some of them think that they are World of Outlaws drivers or F1 drivers or V8 yeah. supercar teams or whatever like that, and, and good on them. It's their money. They're doing it. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah. But we're a hobby. Yeah. You're a hobby racer, weekend racer. There's only a handful of professional speedway racers in Australia. And in, in America there's only like, I guess, the World of Outlaws. They're the- yeah, there's, a, there's probably a whole lot more in America for sure, but it's look at the amount of people that live in America compared to what live here in Australia. Can you tell me a bit of your background with like the when the World of Outlaws, we were talking before about the World of Outlaws in America. They actually came here once, was it, to Sydney? No, nah, oh, probably more. I'm going to say four. Yeah. Might, might be, it might be more. As I said, dates yeah. and remembering yeah. that kind of stuff I'm shocking for. They The first year it was 2004. I didn't come to it and I told Brian Healy because he was the one that mm. did it once I built a relationship with him. I said, oh, Brian said to me, oh, did you come up for 2004? I said, no, nah, mate, I wasn't coming up coming up for that. And in his accent, i like, why not? And I'm like, mate, if I want to see the outlaws, I'm going to go and see them in America first where they've got their, their transporters, their crews, their, everything. They've got all their stuff to make it work. Mm. And uh, and he goes, ah, oh, that's bullshit. And I said, well, no, that's, that's I thought. So, yeah, that's when I went over in 2005, seen it, and then he obviously come back and started announcing at Parramatta and – the rest is history, and and just to meet those guys. Did they all come out here though? Like, nah, not all of them. There was okay. about fourteen of them or something. I think there was. Yeah, right. So it's kind of like a curtain raiser in a way. It wasn't really like a world it, of outlaws. No, it wasn't. Outlaws. No, it wasn't a series points. Okay. Event. So they, that's where I got confused. Yeah, that, I think they tried to make it that. I may be wrong. Maybe one year might have had points on it, but I don't think it did because it's a huge logistical thing to do. Um, but yeah, just really cool to be able to see those guys and, and get to know them and, and yeah. call quite a few of them mates. That's yeah. the, the, the really cool thing about it. Like Paul, Mc, Paul McMahon has just re- resi- re- resigned, retired, mm. raced his last weekend at Placerville last weekend, done yeah, okay. no more racing. And Paulie, he's, he's just a ripper of a bloke and you know, you've got their respect or, or you get on well with them when you roll in to America and you see them at a racetrack and you go to put your hand out and he hits it away and gives you a big hug and like, great to see you and, and what, and, but that's, yeah. that's what it's like. It's a big family. And when you're in the, the inner circle, so to speak, it's just super cool to know that here's these guys that you put up on a pedestal with heroes because that's what they are. Like yeah. anybody, that, and as far as I'm concerned, anybody that straps their ass in a, any kind of race car yeah. has big balls for starters <laughs> And even if it is a female, and I say that respectfully, yeah. she's got big balls too because yeah. you need to have them to drive a race car. Yeah. There was one weekend, which I said to Brooke ages ago, it was on my social media, there was one race in America where like five or ten females had qualified at the front. I can't remember. It was it, it was, was, a, was, a, was a midget race. Yeah, they, right. yeah. In the qualifying, top four were all, all young young, young ladies. So I said to Dan, I want to see more of it. In saying that, it's, it's like you said, I have nothing respect, but respect for Speedway. When Dan took me there, I was like, holy shit. I, was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought, how the hell do you have it in you? To, and just to keep focus going around yeah. and around. But I'd love to see more women out here doing it as well. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, it's a unique, unique thing. And, then, and I'm the first to admit, I've never raced a thing in my life. No, not even not, a go-kart? No. Yeah, not, right. Never, like, gone to go-kart yeah. centres and go on and race, like, just rep mates and whatever like that. But yeah. never, ever have I physically properly raced 
And then people, some people say, well, what gives you the right to be able to announce it mm. and talk about it? Well, it doesn't give me a right at all, but the way it's fallen, I started announcing back in 1996. Yeah. And we're now 2022. And you're still here. And I'm still here doing it. So I think I have got some sort of right and some sort of knowledge to be able to talk about what's going on over the years. So, but that's just a, yeah. Oh, how did the dragway thing come about? Uh, so through Rusty Gregory, who's the announcer, uh, one of the announcers at Sydney. Um, he was a full-time employee. He's just changed. He's now moved over to um, the Aeroflow 400 Thunder series, um, which is a to a degree a travelling circus for, for drag racing with top fuel funny cars um, and all the, the other divisions that coincide with it. So we got Rusty down to Parramatta for a few nights or for half a season, I think it ended up being, um, mm. and he started comments. So we built a bit of a relationship and a bit of banter on the mic and so he could see what I, how I was and what I'd done and then they needed some help at, at the dragway and he said, all right, come down. And, yes, I've done a few shows. They haven't done anything there for a while. Mm. Um, the last drag racing show or event I did was up at Willowbank, went up there and did a um, 400 Thunder series up at up at Willowbank. So that was really cool to, mm. to go there because I'd never been there before or whatever. It's such an iconic drag racing venue um, in Australia. So that was really cool to go and do that and um, was lucky enough to be involved in the uh, the Burson's Auto Parts Top Fuel Australia round one at Sydney last year that yeah. um, Phil Reed actually won. Um, so, yeah, that was really cool just to to be a part, like not a huge part, but mm. I was a part of it on the mic doing bits and pieces and, and whatever. So, yeah, just it's – and out of the comfort zone doing something you don't – I know nothing about drag racing. Yeah. I was going to ask that. Not a thing. <laughs> Get in the car, pull the belts tight, burn out, bang, let's go straight line. Like, and that's me having a bit of a joke saying yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. there's a whole lot more to it. Yeah. And it's amazing. And and they're no different to Speedway or no different to Formula Ford. Yeah. You're all one big family that you're in that inner circle or whatever, everybody wants to help each other or as much as you might be competitors or whatever like that. Um, it works. And, and the thing I said to Rusty was, mate, the, the thing I'm enjoying about doing drag racing is I'm going to ask that dumb question. Not that there ever is a dumb question, but I'm going to ask that question that, I don't know, 30% of the fans might be sitting out there, might be always wondered about that, but it's never been asked mm. because the people that are up in the box have always been around drag racing and they know that answer anyway. So they're not going to talk about that. So I'd ask the drag racing commentators, the people that know the, st- the sport, well, why did that happen or why is he doing that or just asking those questions. Yeah. And and the amount of people that come up and I've even had people text me and message me and go, when are you back um, commentating drag racing? We enjoy it because you're, you're bringing something different to the table, but it is what it is. And for those to get to, who are keen to get onto the microphone, how, did, how do you like encourage someone to get into it? Obviously it's changed since your day. Yeah, it's – it's funny. There's, you've got to start somewhere, and I, and I'm very fortunate that I now can make money out of it mm. um, because of the amount of time I've done it for, I guess, um, and still doing it. I think, and I think this is a general thing across all businesses these days, or kids coming out of uni or wanting to get in and do something. Mm. They don't want to start at the bottom. They want to go straight to the top. So there might be some announcer that goes, all right, well, I don't want to start at Speedway. I'm going straight to V8 supercars. Yep. Or F1. 
Yeah. No. You've got to start – go to a country bush track. Yeah. All right, they might have an announcer that's been doing it for 30 years there and they might be looking to retire or they might have had enough or they want to train someone. So go out to a bush track. Go and offer your services out there. Go and get that experience or, or go to a club and one of the small speedway clubs, divisions, and say, hey, look, I want to announce. Go and do that. But don't do it for nothing. Mm. Right? This is my, one of my biggest things. As much as you've got to start somewhere, it is too hard to travel. Like say you're going down to Goulburn. Yeah. Right? Well, you've got to pay for your fuel. Fuel ain't cheap. Yeah. It's a, maybe 100 depending what vehicle you got, might be $100 spend on fuel. So then – like they're going to let you in for nothing, for starters, you'd hope. But just cover your costs. Don't make something off trying to talk, but cover your costs. That's all you need to and, – and that's probably the biggest thing I would say to people is make sure you cover your costs. Mm. Let them know, hey, this is just to cover my costs. This isn't to make money because of my voice or talking or, or whatever like that. I just want to cover my costs and get the experience or, or even go a step further back. Don't even get on the microphone. Go and – Come up to a, an announcer and go, hey, look, I want to sit in the box and listen, see what you do. If there's, if there's room, go your artist. Yeah. Just shut up and be quiet. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah. not being a dick about saying that, but that's what it is. Don't talk because the microphone's sensitive. Yeah. So it's, it's a hard one though. Like it's – but as I said, like there's, yeah, there's probably people out there that, well, I do know of mm. one that – I shook my head and, and where they're at at the moment and, and good luck to the person. Mm. And it's, yeah, just, yeah, blew me away what, what I was told. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> whatever, I'm shutting up. I'm yeah. not going to get myself in trouble that way. So. <laughs> you were mentioning before about your podcast. When did you just decide to do that? Was that because, like, for me, it's as a podcast at a podcast that it's like a – I don't know, like a therapy type of thing. Like, you know, when you're, for me, when I hop in a race car, I feel relaxed. So doing this is kind of like the same thing. Yep. For you, is it the same thing or are you just like intrigued to meet different people also like myself? Yeah, so with the pod, so where I sort of got the idea was when the World of Outlaws started their podcast, Open Red, mm-hmm. and I'm like, shit, we need something like that down here. Mm. And actually, I tell a lie. Mm. It wasn't. I started listening to... Um, the Howie games. Yeah, right. That's Mark yeah, Howie. That's yeah, yeah. Okay. So his his podcast, and I mean all his ones that he started years ago. Mm. I started listening to that, and I'm like, hang on, I don't mind the way he's doing this. Maybe there's a way of doing this for speedway people. Like I know enough people to be able to do it. Mm. So yeah, got the idea. Wade Orange was my first guest, and we just and didn't have. Um, the road procaster that like or caster pro that you guys have, which I, I have now, obviously in the mics, because road yeah. roads gear up, you can't beat. And yeah. let's hope we both get a sponsorship out of road <laughs> for this. Listen, if guys, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it. Um, so the first one when we did it with Wade, we just had it. Um, Michael Geddes from Chrismic Industries yeah, from yeah. Speedway. We just had his camera. Yep, and then some audio jacks into his camera and hanging onto the microphone and did it that way. Like we didn't record the vision or anything. It was just the audio and that's how we did it. Um, and yeah, just started doing it and just started ticking, ticking people off. I've been slack over the last couple of years with it, I guess. It's just with no racing and just, I just didn't feel like 
doing it, so to speak. Because mm. um, the passion was kind of Yeah, gone. I guess, yeah, to a degree. And, like, in a way it probably might have been the ideal time to do it because people are available. And, and as you know, it's not a matter of just going, all right, ring the person up or get them here, hit record, bang, done, put it out. It doesn't work like that. No. Nah. You've got and, – and the way you've – and I've got to congratulate the pair of you, the way you've done it, like, in the lead-up with having professional – letter that you send out and did it and yeah. asking some questions and not that I filled it out, but um, <laughs> it um, – You did the phone calls. That you was yeah, phone did the phone calls. Yeah. Exactly. See, it's, it's one easier. or the other. You just, gave, you just gave me your word. You were like, you can just have yeah. me on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Just start asking questions. By the way, that's all Brooke's mainly idea there. She's, she's the producer. She came up with most <laughs> of that stuff. Yeah, but, that's, but again, it goes back to the small things when I first walked in. Yeah. You've got a sign that's that's got your, your logo and then – Welcome, Stu McCarthy. Yeah. Da, da, da. It's the little things like that that can make a big difference to your podcast. And people, like people aren't necessarily going to see that, but for the person that's getting interviewed goes, hang on, how cool is that? They're actually doing it the right way, professional way. Like maybe I should look at doing it mm. that way or whatever like that, but then I'm like, no, I'm just happy with the audio. Bang, simple, easy, put – when I say simple, easy, put it out. It ain't that mm. simple and easy. I don't – and at the same – I don't edit. So if I start recording mm. from when we start recording to when we finish, that's it. So if I do and like I cough or I sneeze or what, too bad, it's in it. It's that's it's raw. Yeah. You want um, raw audio from your guests. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if they swear and obviously I've sworn a couple of times, it is what it is. Like you, you can put that little E there to oh, say yeah, it's Oh, yeah, swearing split, stays here. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's one of those yeah, things. It's, it's, it's you just got to work with it. And But, yeah, pot, hey, look, I think it's a great platform, the podcast. There's a there's a, obviously a stack of different subjects and people doing podcasts these days. So um, it's just finding your little niche, I guess, yeah. on how you do things or, or what you talk about or – or how well you get your guests talking, how much research you do on your guests. Um, like I know, obviously, you do. Yeah. My research, zero. <laughs> We're different. We're pole opposites. You go in and just go with the conversation yep. where I come in with my knowledge in a yeah. way. But is this yep. also you're in Speedway, like you said, and been like sort of living and breathing at family, everyone there. Do you also know a lot about the people coming in already? Yeah. So they're kind of like you. Yeah, it makes it a yeah. little bit different. Yeah, yeah, so it makes it easier because I've – got that relationship with them. Like there's some people that I have had no relation. And perfect exa- example, so Gary Selzy, mm. multi-time NHRA national champion. Yep. Um, his two boys race sprint cars. I'd gone to America to commentate over there and so I reached out to Gary and first I'm kicking, my, I'm pinching myself that he's actually replied to me because he's Gary Selzy replying yep. to me. And said to Gary, look, I want to do a podcast with you. And he's like, yep, no worries. So I, again, did not do any research, had nothing in front of me, just had my phone and a microphone, started talking. It was only a short, it was 40 minutes or whatever it was, but yeah. we just chatted about whatever coming to my, like I'd ask those first few questions or whatever and then get my answers, uh, sorry, my questions out of his answers yeah, and right. just flow on conversation and, and go from, sometimes you get stuck, but then you just, something pops up and you Oh yeah, we'll, we'll roll with that and go from there. Yeah, and you've just but for since like starting, you said with Wade, learning that flow of conversation. Like I'm still learning that. Same with Brooke. Um, is it just because of due to you know other heaps of guests that you've had on, and you've just kind of like no, like lap after lap after lap, kind yeah, of like no, seat time? Yeah. Well, it, it is, 
but not with the podcast. So I'd say it's more to do with commentary yeah, at a Speedway event. Yeah. Because at a Speedway event, especially when you're calling a race, it's happening so quick. Mm. You can see – and no disrespect to circuit racing or anything else. Yeah. You can see it all and the races only go for five minutes. So Speedway commentary is probably a little bit like horse race calling, yeah. I would think. I've never done it, but to a degree. I've got to know the cars, know the colours and go from there. Um, with the podcast side of things, I think it's about being able to engage and get your person talking, right, as you, the interviewer, to ask that question that then the interview interviewed person, whoops, sorry, hit the microphone, that's what you don't do. (laughs) (laughs) They're professional. Example number one, everyone. Correct. I did that on purpose, not. Um, Yeah, it's just that side of things, I guess, is being able to just, one, make your person you're interviewing relaxed so they're comfy and what you're doing with the way you guys are set up, perfect example, perfect, well done. Um, and then, and hey, I'm no expert, no champion at this, by the way, but over the years you sort of see and hear and learn. So, yeah, so I think it's, yeah, it's just, it's a, a lot of different little things that then make it roll in to make it, make it work. And what, like for your thoughts on like legends in the speedway, as I was saying before, if you had, this is a bit of a random question, but I always ask this in my podcast towards the end. If you had like guys in their heyday, for example, like Jeff Gordon, Kyle Larson, Steve Kinzer, Tony Stewart, and so on in like a one all-star race, who do you reckon would win? And they're all back in their prime. It, in like a fan, it's like a computer game type of scenario. Yeah. Yeah. If you had to, if you had to think right now, if you could put all those guys in one race, who do you reckon would come out on top? Being like a commentator, because you've said, yeah, you've yeah, seen yeah. it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and Kyle Larson come and raced at Parramatta. So yeah. let's put the race on around Parramatta. Yep. Right. So do it that way. Yep. So you said Steve Kinzer. Yep. You've got Steve Kinzer, Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon, Back yep. in his heyday when he was racing sprint cars. Yep. Tony Stewart. Yep. And then you've got, I don't know, you've got Max Dumsney as well in there. You've got, oh, shit, I'm thinking of my <laughs> – um, Brooke Tatnell. Yep. So we're trying to make an A-main here. Yep. We'll put, we'll put the Bell Boy and Bowen brothers in there. We'll just fill the, <laughs> we'll fill the grid up. You know what I mean? But you, you've got like the front running guys. So there's got, one guy. So there's even one, Marcus Dumsey you put yeah, in there actually because right. so he's just recently So won. there's one guy you haven't mentioned. Jamie Veal. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, put Veely in there as an Aussie yeah. or whatever. <laughs> but Shots. Donnie Shots, yeah, true. Shots is when you look at the the stats, so Gary Rush won the most ever A-mains yep. at Parramatta. Robbie Farr second. Mm-hmm. Moving down the line, I can't remember exactly where. Shots so you've got is. all this knowledge over me here. So this yeah. is where I'm. So I've actually, I, I should have actually had it handy because yeah. it would have been cool. Would have been, yeah, it's true. But Shots's record with the amount of races he raced over the years at Parramatta, his percentage of wins mm. is like above sixty percent. Yeah. So if there was everybody in their prime of racing a sprint car, yeah. Oh, around Parramatta, mm. right? We're only talking Parramatta. Tony Shots, yeah, would win. Tony Shots every time. Yep, yep, without yep. doubt. Yep, and 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 when I say that, with the way the track surfaces have changed over the years, from back in the, let's say the seventy or the eighties, nineties, when she was a rough, roughed mm. up, bullfight and racetrack. Yeah, to what they are these days, where they're 
gut slick smooth for the fence. Mm. Shots is very good on slick, but he was also very good in those early years when I come to Sydney as well. On a if it was a buck and bull style track, he could still wheel it around that joint. Yeah. So I'd say Donny Shots. And for like fans, as you've said, as you've gone to everywhere pretty much and done the career speedway thing with commentary, what's like the best experience as a speedway fan, both in Australia and America, if you had to choose for like the, a tar person listening or someone just who's just a regular fan? So you say like what event to go to? Or yeah, like, like if you just said, like if you said, hey, you know, to get involved in speedway, what would, what would be the, the show to go to, both in Australia and in America? Yeah, so I, look. From your point of view. Y- you can't beat. The classic down in Waterville yep. in, in January. Um, it is the granddaddy of, of our sprint car um, events. Some people say the Australian title is the be-all, end-all, but in my opinion, it's the classic. Um, mm. The reason I say that is the tradition of how it's built up, club-run venue, mm. um, and, all, and, and I'm biased because I grew up there, like first to admit it, mm. um, but then the – Speedway competitor probably says the Australian title. They want that number one on their tail team. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that. They're now saying um, the Chariots of Thunder. Yeah, that was Excuse pretty me. good. Up, that went pretty good up Yeah, up, up in north. Darwin. Yeah. As I said, I did two years of that. Um, yeah, and it's, it's grown since then again. Like the first year I was there, we went and did a um, – took some drivers to one of the crocodile farms and, and filmed and and did some fun stuff there. And so then I said, I'm oh, well, if we can come there and bring the crocodile, do some filming and show mm. it on video and all that, for the podium, I want you to bring live crocodiles. Yeah. So the top three are standing on the podium, hanging onto these. Live crocodiles. Live crocodiles. Is this the first time it was up, like the first no, chariots? No, oh. no, no, no. The chariots have been happening oh, for ages. Okay. But it was just, I'm like, you need to yeah. do something like this. They haven't done it since. Yeah. For whatever reason, they said, no, nah, we're not doing that. And I'm like, righto, whatever. I think you're mad because I think that shows. The Northern Territory. The Northern Territory. Standing, yeah, on, the po- standing on the podium, hanging on to a live crocodile. All right, their mouths are taped up, I will say I was say about that. to say, is this, is this come down to animal welfare <laughs> <Yeah>. issues? <laughs> no, no, they can bring them out. No, so they, they can do it. They can take them anywhere. Yeah. Like, and they bought snakes out there and everything like that. And I hate snakes, but <laughs> it's like, so. and I've got photos and there's video and, and whatever of us at this crocodile farm and um, doing that. And then, yeah, like James McFadden standing on the podium hanging on to this crocodile. He was shitting himself. Yeah, right. But it's a cool photo. <laughs> they still got proper trophies, but yeah. they're hanging on to a real crocodile. Yeah. So, but yeah, just yeah, just a little. So, that, yeah, so Chariots is becoming a really cool event. Obviously, World Series Sprint Cars um, hasn't raced due to COVID and then just things still happening in the background, obviously. Um, any of those events when they're in, in town, in your area, um, for sure, go and see that. Um, as much as – and I'm being very broad here because mm. it's – as much as I'm saying, yeah, the big key sprint car events, the other thing I'd say, if you're out on holidays out at Tamworth mm. and there's a Speedway meeting on the Saturday night, you're out there and you're like, oh, we've got nothing else to do, go and check out the the local country track. Or if yeah. you're at Dubbo, say you're out going to the Dubbo Zoo, right? Yeah. You're out there for the weekend. And for whatever reason, the speedway's on at the Dubbo racetrack, yeah. which is literally a kilometre away from the zoo, Yeah, is, and the speedway's on, go. Go and support the the smaller tracks. It's not always about, about – Like the Knoxville Nationals and the Chili Bowl. The big guys, exactly, yeah. yeah. It, it is, it, and like everybody wants to go to a V8 supercar event. Yeah, especially the Bathurst 1000. Yes, but yeah, exactly. And and like when I say everybody wants to, you mm. probably look at their – not that I have, but when you look on TV and look at their – 
crowd numbers, it doesn't look that great. Whether that's me just yeah. looking at it that way or, or whatever, they're, they're telling that. I think it's, it's not a tele- what it used to be. If you no, look it's at a the television 1980s, series now. 1990s, early 2000s yeah. photos, we've all looked at them. <laughs> the pictures of Bathurst are very different to what they yeah. are now. Yeah, yeah. So, but that's that's just the way the world is too. Yep. Everybody wants to sit at home and watch it on TV, and then the biggest problem is. Yeah, I think phone. to a degree so though. So I sort of argue this: that we've got packed airports right now because everyone sat on their ass for two years and wanted out. Yeah, they're out now. So I think it's a matter of like. What's piquing people's interest? And like that goes back to marketing, like we said, yeah. so people knowing about it. Yeah. Um, I said to Dan, he took me earlier this year to the Sydney, um, the new one out of Eastern Creek Speedway. I'd never been. And I said to him, how do we – like I put it out there to all my followers and everyone was saying to me, what the hell is that? And I'm like, it's just not – like I said to Dan, it's people aren't sh- seeing it as yeah. much. That's why, and people are like, wanted to go. Then everyone was like, "Oh, where? When's the next one? How do I get there?" It's more about knowing about these events. So, what's the best way people could find out about like the local events in Speedway? So, for for Sydney, for obviously for Eastern Creek, it's yep. obviously their their Facebook page mm-hmm. and Instagram yeah. page. That's where they do all their announcements. Yep. They have a website as well, um, mm. which is which is obviously out there. And, and and people go, oh, why, why don't they do TV or radio or whatever? Well, it's quite simple. It costs a fortune mm. in Sydney to advertise on TV or radio. Yeah. More so TV. Radio's still it's still up there, but it's it's compared to compared to Brisbane to or to Melbourne or whatever, advertising on TV, Sydney television, it's ridiculous. Mm. Absolutely ridiculous. Like if you wanted to get a and the prime time for advertising anything is news time. Yeah. Because people are sitting watching the news. So anybody that's paying for it, and this is, um, last time I heard it was thousands, and I mean thousands of dollars, to mm. advertise in that that slot. Yeah. But it's not only work like getting that slot and then paying or whatever you paid to, to do it, but the classifications of making an advert, right? So if, say you got a de- demolition derby. Yeah. On. And being able to show two cars go bang like that, well, you can't show that during the news because of the classification that's showing someone could be getting hurt. Yeah, right. So then you can't advertise that then. It's all these different rules and regulations that yeah. we now have in this world or Australia because I think we're going, as Australians, we're going ridiculously backwards that way. We're not agreeing more, Dan. It's, yeah, but it is. It's like so... It's not just a matter of going, oh, let's slap this ad together and voice it and bang and out it goes. Yeah. You've got to do it to the the rules and regulations of the – Yeah, which is what, what some people I think like miss on. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, they're just looking at the end picture. Why aren't, they, why aren't they advertising? Why aren't they spending the money? Going to TV for Speedway, like put that aside, I think it's an amazing event to show up to in person because I said to Dan, when you're there – um, we wanted to say, like, for those who haven't been, I know a few car dri- like race car drivers around the track, like Dan had said, were all warning me because a lot of them didn't know and they it's said they funny. turned up in their best suit and so yeah. forth. So I had a bit of warning. What Dan did not tell me about was the eyewear, uh, <laughs> which would have been helpful. <laughs> but what are your top tips if people are coming to visit? Because, like, honestly, like, stuff sitting on TV, everyone, they need to come to the event to experience it because it's another thing to be there. Oh, 100% it is. Like, it doesn't – and we're not just talking about Eastern Creek here. We're talking about any mm. any dirt track in the world because anybody yep. can listen to this, this yep. podcast. Um, go, on a, go and see what a dirt track's about. Go and see your local dirt track. 
don'ts. Don't wear white pants <laughs> for starters. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah, take some goggles if your little kids are going to be there or whatever like that. Yeah, take get some earmuffs if you forget to. The most tracks are going to the major tracks are going to have them to sell mm. them. Um, yeah, glasses um, because it can get dusty. Well, of course it's going to. It's a dirt track. Yeah, like it's not a no. asphalt track. It's no. dirt, so it can get dusty. And just enjoy yourself. Like if you've never been. The three things you're probably going to notice the most is the smell of the, especially if methanol is being used, of the, the cars, the noise, and people don't like this, but you're going to get dust. So you're going to get dirty, right? Don't turn up in your best outfit with high heels. In saying that, if you went to Eastern Creek, you could go there in high heels now mm-hmm. because it's all concrete. Yeah. Right, whereas if you're Parramatta, you went on the grass hill. Yeah, like people are screaming, "There's no grass hill." Da da da. Well, it's not. There's not one there, so move on. But if you were someone that wanted to turn up in high heels because that's what you like wearing, you could wear them to the speedway at Eastern Creek now. Which yeah. sounds stupid, but it's true because it's all concrete. Yeah. Sit down Too far to walk. Ladies don't. Just wear yeah. sneakers. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. That's, I know what you're saying. Yeah, there's some it, people who want to yeah. and that's fine. Yep. But, yeah, my warning is there's still a lot of there's still a lot of way to walk, especially if you want to go sit down and see the pits afterwards. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I've got to ask with the new Speedway, I asked this to Sean, the stats man. Um, you've, was, you've had Sean on, have you? No, I haven't. Oh. I've, I've kind of seen what he's said to me, but I haven't. I want to yep. ask it from your perspective. So Parramatta, as you know, had this the sprint car club championship around Parramatta the whole time. Is Eastern Creek going to have that now or are they just going to use it as other tracks? Do you know what I mean? No, so the way, so as far as I'm aware, the way it works, the Sprint Car Club of Association of New South Wales, mm. they control the club champion yeah, and the track champion. So the way it used to work, I believe, at Parramatta was that obviously, and it happens at Eastern Creek as well, the venue pays the club. Yep. Money for those teams to come and race and prize money and, and whatever. So then that then goes back into the point score fund. Yeah. For the division or the sprint car drivers at the end of the season. So there'd be a, a club champion, which there was for last season, which was young Zach Patriota, mm-hmm. um, a young fella coming through the sport. Um, and it raised a few eyebrows from um, people in the sport going, well, hang on. He hasn't won anything, he hasn't done this or done that. Well, yeah. hang on, he turned up, raced every meeting and got the most points. Yeah. It's not his fault. He's done that. So congratulations to, to Zach and his and his family run team. Um He's very passionate that Yeah, kid. but there's no track champion because there was no Yeah, right. Right. So there's a club champion, but no track champion. So Is there gonna be one feast in Creek? Oh, I assume there will be, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's and normally Whoever the club champion works out to be is normally the track champion as well. I would have thought most of the times over the, the years I've done the presentation dinners. So it's um yeah, be interesting to see what happens and and whatever. But it's it's a new era and and Sean McDonald who yeah he said is the stats guy. He does an amazing job in keeping records and and I'm privileged enough and honoured that he gives me the stats each week that I can really nail down and try and pick out things which I need to. Over the years with my – especially when I was on the infield, um, I never worried about that side of things. I was just calling what I'd see, talk mm. about what was going on. But now up in the box and and the way the world is with live streaming, people sitting at home, 
So if you're at the track, you mightn't actually hear every word I say. Yeah. But old mate or old love sitting on the couch at home watching it live, they hear every word perfectly because it's coming through their TV crystal clear, like you're sitting here now. Yeah. So you got to be very careful what you say these days. You could get away with some stuff years ago, um, but not now. You got to be very careful what you yeah. what you're going to say. So you, it's a it's a it's a bit of a juggle because you're calling the live event, mm. thinking what you want to say while saying what you've previously been thinking to get out. Yeah. Then you're putting the political correctness on. Yeah. So you don't offend someone. And then get those words out. <laughs> They're still trying to make it entertaining. Make it entertaining. Make it exciting without swearing. When the microphones, even even though I've sworn a couple of times on here today, mm. I normally when I have a microphone on for whatever reason, my brain clicks on. Don't swear. Yeah. Have I done it on a microphone at a speedway event? Yes, I have, and got caught. Is what it is. Yeah. And that's not having the microphone up to my mouth and doing it like that. Mm. It's when someone else has left a microphone on or I've left it on and you're just in a conversation off air. Yeah. But the microphone was on and it's clearly gone over the PA system and to people sitting at home. Yeah. And the only reason you find out is because someone's sitting at home listening and they send you a text. Yeah. Just heard you swear. (laughs) It happens. It happened at at Knoxville this year. Yeah. Well, Stu, I've got to thank you heaps for coming on the podcast, man, because it's been exciting and intriguing for me and hopefully intriguing for the listeners. And hopefully out of this, but you're, when you get your podcast more so going in a way to promote yourself and hopefully we both get sponsored by Road. And oh, exactly. That, that'd be awesome, mate. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm, quite, I'm quite sure they've had that many proposals over the years now with what, they're, what they've come up with and, and whatever. But, yeah, it's, it's just cool to have the, this platform these days for – for motorsport or whatever sport it is or whatever you're into, mm. um, to be able to get people's story out there but also opinions and 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 just, yeah, yeah. Have, a, have a chat, see what's going on and, and go from there. Yeah, it's a great po- it's a great thing, podcasting. Yeah, yeah people get to learn more, find out more. I'm learning as I go in this sport but it's also good for new, new fans to bring in as well. So yeah. we share it across everyone and that. So to grow, especially post-COVID now, we need to reignite everything again. Yeah, well, and the, I think the biggest thing with po- – and podcasts have changed since I first started, like obviously with the video side of things now because I just listen to podcasts when I'm driving around. Yeah, in the I, don't even, I don't even listen to the radio. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Well, thanks heaps, Stu, for coming on. All good, mate. Really appreciate it. Perfect. Yes. Thank you, Brooke. Thank over you. there in the back. She's the, star, she's the star of the show over that's there. That's exactly right. No one's actually given her that recognition. That's great. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. All good. <laughs> Cheers. Thank thanks, you. guys. Top. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of On the Couch with Hooli. Make sure to subscribe to our show so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. And to help us grow, please leave a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. For extra content, check out our YouTube and social channels. You can find all the links in the show notes. See you next week.